Amigos and amigas, we're back with another episode of Confidence at Tula Madre. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. People who are watching on YouTube, fantastic. But also people who are listening, uh, thank you for being here. I'm actually really excited, a teensy, teensy, teensy bit nervous, but they're like excited nerves. They're not like nervous, like, oh my God, I'm scared or I'm, it's just nerves because today on this specific episode, I'm going to go back in time with you. Um, If you watch my YouTube because you follow me on IG or on TikTok, or you listen to this episode because you follow me on IG or TikTok, then you've seen this post that I'm going to talk about today. You have, oh, excuse me. You have read just a little small synopsis of everything that took place. You... And again, you're still not going to get the whole story because I don't have that kind of time. I definitely cut myself off on this podcast episode to go no longer than 45 minutes. So you're just going to get a small still synopsis, but like more details. But again, the reason why I want to share this story is because it's one of the most pivotal moments of my life that really determined and pushed forward why I'm a self-trust and confidence coach today, why I'm dedicated to doing this work, who I'm dedicated to serving, and again, like why I even do this work. And I'm excited because this is a story that I've had to do a lot of work around. I've had to determine and really move through a lot of healing. Uh, Because once this was a story I wasn't even able to say, without bawling my eyes out. This was a story I couldn't talk about or tell anyone because it brought on so much guilt and shame. And now this is a story that I can proudly tell you with a smile on my face and pride in my throat and in my chest because I'm proud of this breaking moment. I'm proud that I had to hit rock rock bottom And this is what the self-work does. I know a lot of people can come here and sit and say like, oh, well, I can do it all by myself and this, that, and the other. But it's different. It's different. If you want actual change, if you want to pivot, if you desire something completely different, sometimes it requires the breaking moment. So I shared on IG that at 24, I was sued for absolutely everything. Okay. And I want to start from the very beginning though. And again, like I said, 45 minutes, isn't going to cover the entire story, but it's going to give you a good and juicier version of this story. But again, I want to tell this story because it's supposed to serve a purpose. It's supposed to serve you. You are going to see yourself in this story And that's more important to me than never airing this out, than keeping it to myself, etc. Because again, y'all, this work is truly 
to serve you. So let's start at the very beginning. Sylvia Brands was born. Well, Sylvia Brands was not Sylvia Brands when she was born. <laughs> so Sylvia Brands was born Sylvia Pauline Bozo. And yes, my name is Pauline. It's not Paulina. And people say that all the time. That was actually one of my biggest pet peeves growing up. Very, very, very quick side note. Uh, when people would meet me, they'd be like, oh, Paulina como Paulina Rubio. Like Paulina like Paulina Rubio. And I would always say no. Because I didn't really like her as an artist. She's a singer, guys, if you don't know who this is in Latin America. But um, that was my number one pet peeve because it happened all the time. And I was always like, no, it's not my name. And it's not even my name, literally. But, um, and again, it speaks volumes because my name was never Paulina. It's Pauline with an E at the end. And that actually speaks volumes to this entire story because I never corrected people. I would always just say, yeah, my name is Paulina. And just to make things easier, I would just say, yep, hello, I'm Paulina. And then later on in life, I transitioned to Sylvia. Uh, I transitioned to Sylvia in high school because teachers just read off the attendance sheet straight up and nobody really asks you what you want to be called. Um, So I transitioned into Sylvia, which was cool because it was my first time being called like my real first name. And I think a lot of Latinos can see themselves in this too, where you're like, your real name is one thing, but you're called by your family this very much that same type of dynamic. Anyways, so I was born Sylvia Pauline Pozo. And very quickly, just so that you understand the demographic and the background of my story, I... I had a lovely childhood. I love my I love my parents. I can't say like, oh, we like no. My parents were great people. Um, but again, you can have great people, you can have a great childhood and still have things that you acquire and learn and trauma that you experience, okay? So like again, if this is you or you're like but I I shouldn't feel bad for myself because nothing ever really terrible has happened to me. That ain't it. That's not the fucking realness, okay? So with that being said, I grew up though, like a textbook Latina. I grew up very much in the sense of like, I was raised to be kind. I was raised to be polite. I was raised to be perfect, perfect. Um, I was told to always do the right thing. I was told to, um, one of my things my mom always said to me was like, se sencilla, which means be simple. And my poor mother, uh, I am the furthest thing from simple. (laughs) And I know if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you're laughing to yourself right now because you've been following me for some time and you know that I don't even talk in a simple manner. Uh, I am not quiet. I am a social butterfly. I I am none of the things she was hoping I'd be. Um, I was raised to... I was raised to move through life with guilt and shame. If you guilted me hard enough, I would do whatever you wanted, to me, wanted me to do. Um, I lived through lots of shame because, again, when you feel shame, people, you will be able to manipulate people into what you want them to do. That was me. Um, so again, that created to, for me to be the biggest people pleaser in the whole wide world. 
wonderful. <laughs> Love that for her. Um, I also was the biggest chameleon in the whole wide world. I would change into whatever people wanted me to be because that was way important to be liked, to be loved, to belong, all of those things. Um, I could never say no. I could never make a decision for myself. I always looked to my parents to make a decision for me. Again, guys, whatever you're thinking right now, that's exactly who I was. If you even have some that you're like, oh, Sylvia, you're missing this, this, and this. Yep, add it in because that's what it was. Now, did my parents also teach me to be hardworking? Yes. Did they also teach me to be super independent? Yes. Uh, Did they also teach me really good values of like just genuinely being a good person, of like belonging to her faith, etc.? Yes. Uh, Did my parents have my back for the most part? Yes. And I say for the most part because I know we all collectively, our parents love us and support us, but to an extent. Because when we start to be like really out the mold, then they're like, whoa, 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 you fucking shit up. Like this too much. This too much. Bring it in. Bring it in. But again, do I love my parents? Yes. Did they instill some great things in me? Yes. If Gilmore Girls had a Latina version with us, with a dad and a daughter, we would be it. Um, and that's just the truth. Okay, so again, yes, I I deeply described some of the heavy flaws that I came hardwired with, but I'm also letting you see that there's there was also this other side of me. But that but again, that other side just wasn't strong enough to overpower all the other things I had going on, right? Because again. Those are our limiting beliefs. Those are our unhealed versions. Those are the the lessons that we have to walk through through our journey of life, okay? And moving forward, again, I was always told like, because again, I'm a first generation kid here. My parents moved here when my older brother was um, about one years old and then I was born here. Um... I belong to the South side. I am a South Phoenix girl, proud, tried and true. I, I will die on that mountain. I, I belong to the hood and I'm not ashamed to say that. As a matter of fact, I'm very proud to say that. Um, and this is the click I claim. <laughs> There, there is no better way to say that. I am the queen of the South. South Phoenix is my whole heart. And growing up here, again, our parents wanted the very best for us, just like any other parent would, right? And every parent, no parent goes into parenting and is like, yes, I'm going to fuck my kid up. No, that is not it. But my parents came with, their own limiting beliefs, right? With their own scarcity mindset, with their own ways of thinking how things should be done and with their own ways of maneuvering culture and parenting at the same time in a new place. My parents, again, were brand new to the US and they were also parents at the same time, um, as well as trying to lead their careers as well. So that was a lot on their plate already, right? So with that being said, 
I grow up, I go to the school system. My parents are like, go to school, go to school, go to school, go to school, go to school. Mind you, I am not, I'm good at school, but like I'm a normal good at school person. Like I do have to study. Things do not just come easy to me. Uh, my brother was that. My brother was always the, like that fool just looked at a piece of paper and then like he could pass the test. That fool just like, that fool is smart, like straight up. And for me, I always had to work 20 times harder to get something, to understand something, to learn something. Um, And I know that everybody's going to get this or just people who struggled with something in school. And my dad, bless his heart. Again, he's one of my best friends, but like I had a really hard time in math. And my dad was one of those people who, um, (laughs) instead of explaining it a different way, he would just explain it loudly. He would just begin to yell. And again, it was just because he was losing patience and he didn't know how to regulate himself is that things would always end up with me crying and him super pissed off and like marching out of the room. But again, I think everybody can relate to a story that way. So again, pursuing school, pursuing school to the best of my ability. And I was like, you know what? I might be a teacher. My mom is a teacher. I really enjoyed working with kids. And my mom said, no, you can be anything you want, just not a teacher. And I was like, huh, that's interesting, right? So she was like, nope, because we do everything and anything and we're not compensated enough for even what we do. And I was like, all right, valid. And fast forward 2023, uh, still shit ain't changed and we still here. Um, and my dad was very much like, you're going to go to school, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a degree, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think what everybody wishes and desires for their children of like a white picket fence and to do well and to make money and to live in a house, etc. Ooh, sorry guys, I kind of charge my stuff. And then... I go to school where my mom taught. And my mom taught in a hood school. Shout out, Panther Pride. I'm not going to say exactly where because that would put like a target on my mom. But a lot of people know who my mom is. And uh, again, my, my school was really diverse. It had a little bit of everybody. And so I was never ever felt like culture shock or I never had a time where I was like, whoa, this is weird. Or somebody said something crazy. And then it comes time to go to high school. And mind you, I met my best friend in sixth grade and she's still my best friend to this day. And then it's time to go to high school. And it's so funny because all of my friends went to the high schools that people in my general district go to. Yet, however, my parents did not want to send me to those schools because they were like, no, you're gonna start fighting or you're gonna get yourself in trouble. And I, I was a hardcore dancer at the time. And so they're like, we're going to send you to a different school where you're not going to fight and they have a good dance program. Lo and behold, I get sent to a high school that is very predominantly white in a very predominantly white area in Phoenix. And it is my first time experiencing culture shock. I remember my first day of school being so nervous and th- that was a real nervous of like, I'm scared. Um, to then 
being like, wow, I'm really a fish out of water. Like I don't even know what to do or how to navigate. And because I was navigating, like everything was normal, but quickly I was seeing like people's responses and behavior, like quickly made me feel like I didn't belong. And, and don't get me wrong in high school. Yes. Did I have like a good solid amount of friends that, you know, like I was, I was cool with, as a matter of fact, one of my homegirls, I just went to her baby shower a couple of weeks ago. So I can't say it was like completely bad and I had zero friends. No, but I think again, it's so important to say like, even when things were good, there's just this underlying, like, wow, like divide. And so again, went to high school, uh, jokes on my parents because I fought in school because people were using racial slurs. Uh, people were calling me a wet bag, et cetera. There were just several instances in that case. And so I was fighting in school. And again, in high school, I was fighting for my identity so heavily. Am I going to sit here and say like I was an angel and I was like totally perfect and everybody else was the problem? No. But I can tell you that I was really struggling and would lash out in different ways because I was struggling so hard to find my identity within a place that looked nothing like me and within a place that at the time, SB 1070 was a thing here in Arizona, which is like a lot of, a lot of just race issues came to, to the forefront and it was just a really hard time. I know that I remember my senior year, there was a lot of walkouts being organized. And I remember our, my high school turning around and saying, if you walk out or you do the part of the, or if you're a part of the marches, you will not walk. For graduation and I, so again constantly 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 fighting for my identity in just different situations and friend groups and conversations in times where I thought I felt safe right and so through this I pursued college during high school with some of my amazing mentors in my whole life um, and I'm doing well, I'm doing well, I'm doing well in this college during high school program, but I'm really sucking in high school. I'm like barely making it by. As a matter of fact, I almost didn't graduate high school because shit was so fucking terrible. And then by the hair of my chinny chin chin, we made it through, homegirl finished, did a semester at the community college, graduated with her associate's degree. And again, I wanna stop and talk about that for a second look at the different environments i was going to a community college where it was a lot more diverse shout out to south mountain and versus my high school situation where i i was struggling i was struggling heavily and just like everything was just so messed up yet I knew I had the academic ability because I was doing well, so well enough that I got my associate's degree right away. Like I had a semester right after high school and I got my associate's degree. And then this is where my parents really locked in and they were like, okay, you are going to get your degree in two years at ASU because that's what you're going to do. 
and the transition was really hard uh school nobody gives a shit you are truly a number and i struggled i really really struggled i uh i went to school to be a speech therapist uh my heart has a very much soft spot for children and special needs and speech therapy um i'm not gonna lie to you that is one of my gifts I do a really good job. I'm a really fucking good therapist. I can say that with my whole chest, with all the confidence in the world. Um, but again, I knew in the back of my head, I was, I was moving through things and I was doing things to just please my parents. I made it through. I was doing the right thing because I was like, okay, like, yeah, this is just what's next. Like, this is what's being preached to me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I keep going. I finish. I I uh, I finish school, and here I am, graduated, and here I go, ready to get my first big girl job as a clinician in a therapy setting. And I am hired by the most magical person in the world. She seems so nice and so beautiful and so great. And every word that came out of her mouth was just a gumdrop that was just so perfect and so nice. And I am like over the moon that I get to work at this very special place to do the work that I'm about to do and that I love to do. And I'm just so excited. I'm so excited because again, I I work with children and when I did when I did practice in speech therapy. Um also another thing too, this is another sidebar. I graduated with my bachelor's degree, so that made me an SLPA because I went to get a separate licensure that certifies me to be an SLPA. So I just say speech therapist so that people understand, but for real, for real, I'm an SLPA. I did not become a speech pathologist because I did not want to go to grad school. Listen, I made it through my first degree. I had no interest in going back to school. And that's just what it was. That's just what it was. I had told my parents time and time again. And that's and it was funny because I was really starting to find my voice through that several times after several years passing by where I would just tell my parents like no I'm not going and excuse me and here I am I I completely have this interview with this lady who's just magical and she's feeding me all of these wonderful amazing things about my career and like what I'm going to do and all this stuff and then I She's like, okay, I offer you the job. Like, here's your offer letter, beep, 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 sign on the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I start working and I start building my caseload and I start making friends with like all of the other therapists who work at this magical place. And I, I'm obsessed. And it's so interesting because I'm friends with a lot of the people who worked here and Again, it's just, it's a place that has so many fond memories. And 
well, I'm not going to give too much yet. So I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. I'm doing a really good job. My caseload is building. People are starting to request me. People are starting to want to get on my schedule. Um, All of the things. Like, I'm doing a good job. I'm finding my rhythm. I'm making colleague, like, colleague relationships and work friends. And it's all coming so naturally. And all of a sudden, it caught wind back to the owner of, oh my gosh, like, this, this therapist is so cute and she's so great and blah, blah, blah. And you should watch her and all of this stuff. And I, I didn't think twice of it. I was just like, whatever, I'm doing my job. And then finally, she comes by one day and she's like, hey, Celia, uh, I'd really like to talk to you. I'd really like to talk to you because I'd like to offer you a promotion of some kind. So when you have a second, can you just meet with meet with us? I'm not going to say who the us is. And I was like, okay, sure. So when she said she wanted to talk to me, though, again, me being who I was, think about a textbook Latina, I'm like, oh no, I did something wrong. Or, oh no, I, I maybe I printed too many things off the printer. Uh, I made too many copies. Oh my gosh, maybe I was impolite to someone. Maybe I didn't clean up the right way. Oh, you know, I was a mess. I was freaking out. And then I go into this meeting and I'm nervous. I'm scared. I go into this meeting and I'm like, I didn't know what to expect. And I sit down and they're like, hey, we just love your work. We love the way you work with kids. We just think you're so special. Again, beautiful little gumdrops about everything and everything of who I am, what I do, etc. And this person also had a really good way of just making everything she said just sound like a fantastic idea. And so a lot of times you just listen to her talk and then you would just agree to it. But then you would walk away being like, I don't even know what I agreed to, but I said yes. And this this encounter was definitely like that. And so she was like, uh, we love you. We think you're great. All of this stuff. Fast, long story short, we would like to extend to you a promotion. And I said, oh, okay. And she was like, a promotion? And that's a little different. We would like to hire you to be our nanny for our own children. And I was like, mm, that's kind of weird. But And then as soon as I thought in my head that was kind of weird, she backed it up with, I know this is like an odd request and we're not trying to be disrespectful, but again, like we just want the best for our kids. So again, followed it up with a nicety, right? So I was like, okay. And I, re- she, I remember they said I could think about it and just like take time to think about it just to get back to them. And I remember I went home and I talked to my parents. Textbook Latina, guys. Lived with my parents until I got married. LOL, LOL. Uh, I talked about it with my parents and my mom was like, oh my God, you've got to do this. This is so great. Like what an opportunity. You're going to be working with the... Um, like a rich family and the status and like a fancy area here in Phoenix and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's going to just open doors for you. Definitely. My mom was like, it's going to make connections, etc. La, 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 la. And my dad was very much like, don't fucking do it. This is a mistake. Don't fucking do it. Like red flag, red flag, red flag. Don't fucking do it. 
And they were like, but ultimately you get to make the decision. And guys, this is a really important moment because I want you to remember that it's our decisions and what we decide or don't decide that really moves us forward or takes us back, okay? And this is why in that post I said, my people-pleasing tendencies got me sued at 24. Okay, this is the beginning of the end. Being the people-pleaser that I was, I went back to work the next day and I said yes. I accepted the position they had to offer. I accepted what they put on the table and I didn't think twice about anything or the process or in which the way things rolled out. Long story short, I became the nanny. Long story short, I was with them for about two years. Long story short, and again, this is going to be a book one day, guys. So again, I'm not going to go through all the nitty gritty details, but long story short, it came the day when they just completely believed that not only did I not just work for them, I was just their property. And it just continued to roll out that way. And I take full accountability and responsibility for it. And that's why I can say it with, I can tell you this story with a smile on my face. And then within a matter of weeks, things just changed. Things just changed. Uh, People who used to sign my birthday and Christmas cards with your other family, it just changed. Um, From one day to the next, I was being ghosted. I was given the runaround. I was giving, given tasks and items to do by different people, not the people who I would have considered my bosses because it was the beginning of the end. And I remember going home one night after one specific incident Which again, I don't think I'm ready to reveal that specific story because I feel like it's very specific. But after that night, I went home and I told my parents what had happened. And my parents were like, I think it's time for a lawyer. Like, I think it's time to quit. I think there's like blood on the wall. I think it's time. And so I was like, okay, thinking nothing bad. And I was like, okay. uh, I was like, I think it's going to be really hard to get my old job back. I think that would be a little awkward. But I was hopeful. 
because uh, I had been with them for so long and I, I truly had hoped for the best. And But my parents were like, you know, maybe you should have reached out to a family friend who is a lawyer to just kind of go with you to represent you just to make sure you know things go well. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. No, I'm not going to lie to you. When I reached out to my family friend, I was already nervous because I already knew that it wasn't going to be as easy as I wanted it to be to just leave. I had a feeling already that things were going to come to light and it was going to be a little messy. And I just wasn't sure what was going to happen. But mind you, mind you, I was still incapable of saying no. I was still incapable of having any type of boundary. I was incapable of standing up for myself in those senses. I was, I said yes to everything. I was, I was just the biggest people pleaser in the whole world. And I remember I was dating someone at the time and he, I remember one night he told me, why do you jump anytime they text or call? Like you're, you're off the clock. And I remember not having an answer for that. But I remember it was my first time of being like, that's right, it's it's me deciding to go back to this. It's me deciding to do this. And so I called, so going back, called the family friend. I said, hey, can you just come with me to just kind of represent me? I think it'll just be like a unfortunate, like, hey, I'm ready to quit. Sign your name on the line, return your key, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember when I came in, my closest friends worked the front desk and they obviously had to let people know that I was in the building and that I was here for a meeting with the person that hired me on and then my friend came back and was like you'll be seeing someone else and I was like why would I be seeing someone else if I just spent the past two years working for this specific person and they were like I don't know but that's what they told me to say and I felt the biggest (laughs) when I tell you that my heart fell through my ass and into the concrete that's exactly what it felt like and even my family friend lawyer who came with me she looked at me and she held my hand and she squeezed it and she said brace yourself mija we're just gonna go in there and do what we came here to do but I'm really feeling some bad energy about this. And my beautiful person who came with me, I'm not going to say who she is. Uh, she's a very spiritual and energetic person. And she's also like a warrior and a protector because she's a mother. And I'm getting emotional just because she has cancer and she's fighting cancer right now. And again, she's somebody who comes through for her people. And we walk into that meeting and I am surprised to see someone 
I never even worked for. Sit in an office chair and tell me that I was done. And I was sitting there in confusion because I was like, I still don't know why I'm sitting in this meeting with someone that I hadn't worked for for two years. And she's sitting in this place and telling me that I'm done. And I, and I said, okay, well, that's fine because I, I want to be done. Um, and she, and, and I said, here's my key. Here's everything, you know, cause again, I was a, I was a nanny. So I had car seats to give back. I had to give back house keys. I had to give back like little membership cards, etc. I, uh, she asked me to write down the full schedule of like pickups and all of this stuff because I did everything. And I remember she looked at me in complete disgust, like, like I was complete garbage. And she just said, I just want you to know that the only people you're hurting through this are the children. (laughs) And back then, that sentence destroyed me. And it became the nightmare that I lived constantly for years. And I'm getting emotional because I love being on this side of that story. Because guys, if I could take you back into that place in time, everything that's about to happen, you think this is already bad. It's about to get 10 times worse. And it was then, right when she said those words, that just the guilt and the shame just like exploded through my body. And just tears rolled down my face. And my lawyer friend said, hey, you don't have to talk to her. Let, let just, let's do the transaction. Get what you need. Don't talk to her. Let her sign. Let's be done. Let's get out of here. And she kept going. And she kept going and she kept throwing daggers and dabs and all of this other stuff. And at this point, I was just full-blown crying. And I remember getting car seats out of my car and I was just full-blown And the person that I did work for had friends that obviously worked at the place. And then they jumped in because I was giving car seats to different people. And every person that I came in contact with would pretty much tell me that I was trash. Pretty much would tell me that they trusted me, that they loved me, that that it's because of them that I was such in a good spot and all of this stuff. And for a long time, I believed it. For a long time, it destroyed me. But here's where it gets better. In that same meeting, I was being asked to provide soap notes for the past two years. And I said, why would I provide notes if I was a nanny? And they said, no, because you're being paid out of this. And your title is that you're a therapist. 
So you need to provide all of this. And when I tell you that my heart had already like left the building and was like in the concrete, at this point, it was in China. Because now I was scared that I was like gonna get in trouble for real. Because I was like, whoa, 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 you're asking me for documentation that I, I obviously don't have. But that doesn't apply to me because that's wasn't, that wasn't what I was doing. And I remember she looked at me and she said, it doesn't matter. That's what you were hired to do. You better give us those two years worth of soap notes. Or we're gonna, And she said, we're going to take it all. And I was like, what do you mean we're going to take it all? And she said, we'll go for your license. We'll go for your fingerprints card. We'll go for your degree. We'll go for everything. And at that point, my lawyer friend was looking at me and was like, we have got to get out of here. Like, this is going from terrible to fucking worst in like 0.6 seconds. And she was like, okay, mija, don't say anything anymore. This, we need it all in writing. Uh, uh, uh. She was like, again, trying her best to regulate. And I'll never forget that the person we were also talking to told me that I should be ashamed of myself because I showed up to the meeting with a lawyer. And that she probably wasn't even real. They were like, how dare you show up with a lawyer? As a matter of fact, she's probably not even real or licensed. And that's where my lawyer friend totally piped up and defended herself and was like, how dare you? You don't know me. All of this stuff. We finished the transaction. We walked out as soon as possible, gave car seats back, gave house keys, etc. And my lawyer friend looks at me when we're standing in the parking lot and she's like, babe, this got ugly really fast. Do you have the things they're asking for? And I looked at her and I said, no, I don't because I was never hired to do that. And she was like, babe, this isn't the kind of lawyering I do. I just came as a friend to support you. But I can't move forward with this because these people are legit some of the nastiest people. And they're coming for blood. And I'll never forget when she said that. She's like, and they're coming for blood. And I was just like, oh my God. And I broke down in that parking lot and I got in my car and it's funny because I had played the Aloe Black song on my way there. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, because I was so convinced that it was just going to be an easy transaction and I was going to be able to quit. And sure, probably they were going to say like, you can't work here. And I was going to be like, okay, well, I got to find a new job. But never did I imagine that it was going to go to the left so far. And (sighs) 
I remember getting in my car and I turned the key and that song came on. And I remember I immediately quickly turned it off and I was like, I'm the furthest thing from feeling anything remote to this song. And I remember for years I couldn't listen to that song because it transported me back to that time. And long story short, the second I left that parking lot, the emails and the phone calls started because now I was officially being sued at 24 for everything I had just worked for my whole life. The degree that my parents really pushed me to like get and achieve and work in and et cetera was about to be taken from me. Whether I liked it or not, they were coming for blood. And when I tell you that I fell into the deepest depression of my life, I'm not joking. Chunks of my hair would break off. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. As a matter of fact, if you ask me if I slept, no, I just had nightmares all night. I was in a panic. I felt guilt and shame 100% of the day. I was in a relationship at the time and, God, poor guy. I tried to coast. I tried to make it work. And that poor person just got a version of me that they really didn't deserve. But because I was so broken. Can I take full accountability and responsibility? Yes. A hundred percent yes. And that's why I say that my people-pleasing tendencies, my guilt, my shame, my wanting to say yes, my wanting to please everyone, needing that external validation got me to this place. Because not once did I ever say, hey, can I see things in writing? Not once did I ever advocate for myself. Not once did I ever say, hey, you know, like, what is this account that you're paying me out? Not once did I ever advocate for myself. And the reason I wanted to share this story is because a lot of times we think things happen to us. Yes, absolutely. Something happened to me for sure. But I also made decisions that got me there. I never said any time earlier, hey, I don't want to work here anymore. I just kept saying yes. Anytime I was given a new task, I would just say yes. I would say, of course, no worries. No big deal. I'm fine. How many times do you say those phrases a day? And sure, mine played out into really big, traumatic, major story in my life. But it's my favorite story. Because I had to experience the biggest shitstorm of my whole life to do the self-work and to rebuild who I was. Me. Not my parents' version. Not what people wanted me to be. Not, not anything else. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, oh my God, Sylvia, like 
You're a self-trust and confidence coach? How the fuck? This is the fuck. This is the reason I am a self-trust and confidence coach because if I've walked through the shitstorm, if I've stood in the rain and I can get out, I'm going to teach you the same shit. I'm going to hold space for you in the same fucking way because these are the stories that make or break us. But a lot of times they break us and we decide to stay broken. And I hate that. I hate that because people are like, oh, let me fix you or you're broken. And I don't believe that. I don't. Because you're equipped. You're a whole ass person. You just haven't tapped into the things that make you you. And long story short, yes, it was like six months, eight months of just being scared every day. I remember when I went to go apply for jobs and I had to disclose what was actually happening to me and that I was about to be cleared with my license to get it back and like all of this shit. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. But somebody decided to give me a shot. When I walked my ass into the Department of Health Services to ask them to clear my name, I'll never forget that man. A beautiful black man, older gentleman, literally looked me in the face and said, honey, you're young. Why are you asking me for this? And they said, because I got in a shit ton of trouble. Because I made a mistake. Because I said yes way too many fucking times. And he said, I'm gonna do you a solid. I can tell that you're a real ass person. I could tell that you're a good girl. But don't be signing shit or don't be agreeing anything unless it's in writing. And it's a lesson I had to learn. And it's a lesson in which I learned how to advocate for myself, to love myself, to trust myself, to always choose me. My shit was so messy. It was so painful. But I'm here to tell you that I I can sit here and turn my life around. Go back to practicing speech. And then deciding to be a self-trust and confidence coach. I can tell you that you can work miracles in your life as well. God has a hand in everything, but so do you. Long story short, my name was cleared. Got my license back. The court ruled to drop everything for both of us. Like, the court pretty much decided that it was ridiculous and to just like let bygones be bygones and just like split. And I remember being like, I don't want shit from her. I just want to be done. 
Like, I just want my life back. And, uh uh-oh, my son is waking up. And I... I remember I ran into her at a bar during Christmas time. And she tried to write me a check. Because guys, when I tell you that she left me in financial ruin, she left me in financial ruin. But again, full responsibility and accountability here. Did I make those decisions to let that happen? 100%. And I told her I didn't need her money. And that she was always going to have to live with what she knew she had done. And she laughed it off. But it was like that nervous laughter. And so I haven't seen her again since. She totally walked away, like, as fast as possible. Like, literally jolted up, grabbed her purse, and left. And that's where the story of me begins. In the bullshit, in the shitstorm, in the circumstance... And the lesson, you actively get to decide whether you're going to learn the lesson or you're just going to let it constantly repeat in your life over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I really do believe that I had to learn the lesson that drastic and that hard or I was never going to break how heavily hardwired I was. And I always say this, there's magic in your circumstance. I'm living my magic now. That was the biggest circumstance. And here is my magic. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, I see myself in Sylvia's story. I've experienced some stuff like that by myself. I... I know exactly what she's talking about. Let's begin the self-work. Let's build the self-trust. Let's build the belief. Let's exude the confidence. And let's find all of the magic in your circumstance. I'm still taking one-to-one clients. So book your clarity, Gahal. This is my story that I was so happy to share with you today. And again, my name is Sylvia Brands. I'm your self-trust and confidence coach, encouraging you to live life a toda madre. 
don't forget to like share subscribe all the things leave a review da 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 support this support me share this with someone I don't give a fuck. Like, send it to your homegirls and have a whole ass conversation about this shit. I want you to see yourself in this story. But I also want you to know that you're worthy of just completely changing your life and the trajectory in which it's going. But you get to decide. And I'll teach you. And I'm here. And I'll support you. Let's live a life a toda madre. I love y'all. Peace.